You're listening to the Benefits at Work podcast, where we explore unique employee benefit offerings and programs to help improve your company and workplace culture. We cover wellness, technology, trending hot topics, and more. Now here's your host, Director of Client Engagement at Lipscomb & Pitts Insurance, Betsy Kamler. Hello, and welcome to our Benefits at Work podcast. I'm Betsy Kamler, Director of Client Engagement. Today, I have Abby Green, Health Outcomes Consultant with HealthCheck 360. Hi, Abby. Hello, Betsy. Happy to be here. So um, today, we, we kind of have that million-dollar question. Um, we have so many employers. We present you know, programs to them, um, third-party vendors, whatever it may be, present proposals to them and say, hey, this is what it's going to cost you. This is what they're going to do. This is what you're going to need to do. And they're like, oh, whoa, that's, that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of money. And then they always ask the million dollar question, what's the ROI? Am I going to be able to receive, to see an ROI with this wellness program? Is it achievable? Um, what is your, your thoughts on that, Abby, being, you know, somebody that works for a third party vendor yourself? Um, I know you get asked that several times and just kind of what are your thoughts about that? Yes. And in the wellness industry, it's more like a billion dollar question because <laughs> it does get asked so often and it's so difficult to give an actual answer. So many companies out there will boast a three to one return on investment. That's a pretty popular one. And it could be true, but the issue is these are all subjective numbers that are based on predictive modeling. For instance, they might say if you moved 15 people from being diabetic into a pre-diabetic range, you're going to save this amount of money. The issue is, is that they may leave your plan. They may retire. They may get fired. They may, heaven forbid, they may pass away and not incur medical expenses on your plan. So there's really no way of saying you're going to have this three to one return on any subset of people unless you know they're going to be with the company for the duration of time that you're talking about. And making sure that they're actually going to be incurring claims and not moving away from your plan for whatever reason. So a few things to look at when you do look at ROI is actually pulling in claims. So partner with a wellness vendor who's able to pull those in. And make sure you see how the program is impacting your medical spend on an annual basis. So looking at your medical numbers and making sure those are going down as well as your pharmacy costs and making sure those decrease year after year. Yeah. And and speaking of that, with the medical spend, do you ever see an increase in spend? Because I'll kind of let you speak to that, but we kind of do see that from time to time. And that's not a bad thing. We, it's not a bad thing. Exactly. So we generally see an increase right away in year two, actually. So we start with saying, hey, you want your medical spend to go down. And then in the second year, bam, all of a sudden the company is hit with a slight increase, usually in doctor visits and pharmaceuticals. And it's actually not a bad thing, just like you said, Betsy, because people are finally being alerted of a condition that they had no idea they had. They finally find out that they're a diabetic or that they have high blood pressure, that they have a risk for cholesterol. We find many people who haven't gone to the doctor since their high school sports physical. So having these on-site corporate events is extremely eye-opening to a very large part of the population. And we want people going to the doctor. We want them to use those prescriptions because it costs a lot less money to be on a statin for blood pressure than it does to have a huge surgery for it years down the road. It's also important when you're looking at claims to take out the non-behavior-based claims. 
So somebody who has premature triplets, for instance. Yeah, that's going to be a very high cost. However, the person couldn't have made it better by doing anything that was healthier in their lifestyle. So taking that piece out can really help to see is the wellness program actually impacting your claim. Number two, looking at productivity. So this is something you can't measure specifically. We can't just do a blood test, for instance, on how productive somebody is. But we do know that healthier employees are just better at life in general. They have less sick days. They have more time actually working. And if you're not leaving for a smoke break or to grab fast food all the time, you're going to be actually working and concentrating on work in a much easier way. Great. And, and of course, now we get to the outcomes-based um, topic of conversation. And I think you and I have talked in the past as well as um, those that are in tune with the wellness world. And, and Sarah and I have always tried to keep our um, clients on the up and up of the ever-changing laws. But with EOC and all the different um, governing laws out there today, outcomes-based used to be the popular approach. Used to be years ago when wellness programs and vendors came on the scene, um, that was the way to do it, was to really encourage um, people's health was to actually have outcomes where they had to have certain measure- measurements mm-hmm. on blood pressure and BMI and cholesterol and those type of things. But it's kind of a little controversial these days and not everybody agrees on it. And, um, you know, just different things have happened since then. So what are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, and we have several clients with Lipscomb and Pitts, and many of them do have an outcomes-based plan, but we never recommend doing outcomes-based in the first year. So this would be only something that if you needed an extra boost after a few years, it'd be something to consider doing. So when you think about every other insurance out there, it's based on risk. So if you're driving a car and you're driving a Honda Accord, let's say, at 10 and 2 with no driving record, you're going to pay far less money than someone who's sitting next to you in a Ferrari with a beer in one hand, texting her best friend in the other, and somehow standing up and waving her arms out the top of the window. So those types of people are spending a lot more money on their car insurance because they have a history of issues. They have more risk. And the Honda Accord person obviously is at lower risk. So when we look at benefits insurance, we can use the same type of principle by giving people a lower cost if they're lower risk. So people who show up for the wellness program and in future years do better or improve their score or maintain good health, that could be an approach looking at outcomes-based in a healthy way by giving a further incentive for those people who do improve their score or maintain healthy, a healthy score. You can also make sure that there's a reasonable alternative standard in place. So this gets into a whole lot of legality, but a reasonable alternative standard is necessary if you have an outcomes-based program. And really what that means is that you have to have a participatory way, so an activity-based way for people to do something if they don't hit the full outcome. And any wellness vendor out there that you partner with should have that in place. If they don't, uh, make sure you do find a wellness vendor that has that reasonable alternative standard already set up so that you don't have to worry about the legal issues with it. And definitely we need to make sure that it's culturally okay. And um, again, we always talk to our clients that you guys know your employees a lot better than we do. You you deal with them on a daily basis. So again, if outcomes-based is not the right approach, um, as you know, Abby said, definitely would not re- recommend it in the first year. But if you try it and it's not something that works out very well, it's not the end of the world. We can definitely go back to um, plan A and see what works better. So um, just again, just kind of approach that um, 
with sensitivity about how your your employees are going to um, respond. Definitely. Yeah, the response from employees will tell you a lot about your wellness <laughs> program, everything from what types of incentives to put into place to what type of wellness challenge to run. So listen to your people. And the last thing to bring up, Betsy, is a cost-neutral implementation. So this isn't a fun way of looking at ROI, but it does really work. So cost-neutral is just a fancy way of saying we're going to artificially raise premium and then offer a discount for those who show up and do the screen. Let's say we're both on the same health insurance plan. We pay $100 a month for our health insurance. This next year, we're going to raise it to $150. So every month, we need to pay $150 for our health insurance. However, if you participate in the wellness screenings and the wellness program, you pay last year's rates. So it's tailored as an incentive saying that you can pay last year's rates. However, the 20 to 30% who we've done the research, 20 to 30% generally don't participate in the wellness program. They pay an extra $50 a month, which then goes back to fully fund the wellness program for those who are taking their health seriously and lowering their risk in return. And Abby, you mentioned $50 a month. Um, what dollar amount do you recommend annually? Yeah, so $500 is kind of that sweet spot. So we really say anywhere between $25 and $75 a month. Anything below $25 generally won't get a majority of the population. And anything above $75 can either A, not hit compliance under some of the rules and regulations that are constantly changing, um, but B, it doesn't really feel right. So if you're doing a $200 incentive a month, that really feels like a pretty bad penalty for the people who don't participate. And one last thing to mention is this is going to take time. So anything with wellness, we wish there was a magic pill that you could just take it and all of a sudden 10 pounds would magically fall off or you'd look 15 years younger. But unfortunately, there's never an immediate return when it comes to wellness ROI. So with this, be patient change things up and know that by doing the right things and making your making sure you listen to your employees, you will see return um, eventually with that wellness program and that quote unquote ROI. Yeah, we, we definitely agree with that, Abby. Um, we have several clients that have been with you as a vendor, another vendor for several years, and it does take good three to four years before you really start seeing that needle move. And um, like you said, it's always important to kind of continue to look at the same population because people retire, they leave, they come and go. And so it's just important to kind of stick with the correct data to see what type of movement you have. And even if you feel like you're not having a lot of movement on your reporting, you're not seeing a huge ROI, you do still have those um, successful stories here and there. I mean, every time um, mm -hmm. I know we're going through an executive review for a vendor, um, the vendor's always really good about pointing out that somebody at ABC location, you know, lost 50 pounds and they no longer take um, cholesterol medication. Those type of things, you know, may, you only may only get one or two success stories out of that, but that's, that's huge. And if you can encourage your employees to share that or allow you to share it as a communication piece of the company, that goes a long way because that could speak to somebody out there that's like, gosh, I never realized I could do that. Well, I can do that now and really put forth the effort. So again, may not be a ROI on your investment and your money, but it may be for your culture and just, again, just a success story to encourage somebody else to, to make a change. Definitely. We love seeing those stories come through. Even if you're not impacting the masses right away, you are impacting individuals 
right away that first year with a wellness program. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. This concludes our podcast. And again, Abby, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Betsy. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Benefits at Work podcast. To learn more about wellness, technology, and compliance, head to lpinsurance.com or follow us online at LP Insurance.